All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be uh, calling an audible. I chose to change the name of the stream, change the topic so as not to bait and switch anybody on what we were talking about tonight, because I would not want to bring that level of disappointment. But we will be talking about a fiery uh, controversy between Mike Winger and Discernment Ministries, particularly to just name names. This would be Tim Hurd of Bible Thumping Wingnut Network and uh, Doctrinal Watchdog, who is a subscriber of Evangelical Dark Web. So give him a shout out uh, right there off the bat. But Anthony wrote an article about this controversy, so he'll kind of be guiding a lot of the discussion on as we tackle this topic tonight. Um, and it's kind of difficult to describe because you know it just uh, it requires watching a lot of hours but you got some uh footage for us lined up that i guess i'll share that will help us guide and go through this controversy and you have a pretty good article uh that i that went live on evangelical dark web this morning that kind of summarizes much of the debate and kind of calls balls and strikes on this topic and that's kind of what we want to do here tonight is we're going to call balls and strikes uh particularly because you know we don't think that mike winger is necessarily a bad guy we don't think tim hurd's a bad guy we don't think doctrine doctrinal watchdog is a bad guy either so we seemingly have a clash of brothers here and you know we got to call balls and strikes as we kind of wade through this and can you give a high-level overview of what this controversy is actually about? So I'm not quite sure who, I guess, threw the first shot, but I know, like, Doctrinal Watchdog, I'm guessing it's him because he was, I guess he does more like a woke preacher's clip style-esque, very short-form uh, content of clips, and I guess some of those clips started circulating, and that's what drew, I guess, what drew Tim Hurd of uh, Bible thumping wingnut and then after those two videos proliferated and i'm assuming some time had passed i'm not entirely sure how much but then uh i want to say it was friday thursday or friday of last week that's when mike Wing winger decides to respond to some of these critic critics of him um and and i'll be frank i mean i do think some of the initial shots were very i guess problematic in some of their approach i think tim heard is initially a little too loose with the lips um and he has since i think he pulled down his initial video and has since uploaded an apology video and he has uploaded a more uh definitive and and clear refined. and concise, a refined critique of of winger uh based on the controversy and in the other thing I kind of noticed from this is I actually think Mike Winger's uh, response is where a lot of the criticisms either become validated or become a little bit more um, defined. Because again, if you know, if it was just the critics, I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it because I didn't necessarily think it was packaged well. But seeing him respond to the critics, I think that's where a lot of these there might be a little bit more in the water that needs to be explored. And so I pretty much, I watched that hour video. I do watch his teaching on Bethel, um, which is a four-year-old video. So I'm not going to hold someone to something four years old, but I did notice some kind of issues there as well. And then certain 
his response on Doctrinal Watchdog's channel itself, which I do think that's a problem. I mean, given that, you know, Mike Winger is a charismatic, he's got the Calvary Chapel background, so he's in a different theological camp. So, I mean, that might, and again, I'm not going to enter into the whole cessation continuation debate. I, if anything, I try to argue on the continuationist premise. Um, Argue from his own theology, how he should be responding to these types of activities. Yes. Rather than just go hardcore cessationist. Um, And obviously, um, the other thing, I mean, since I, since we do touch on, I do touch on revoice towards the end. I mean, that's Presbyterian camp. So again, that's a different theological camp. So I guess it's balancing out ignorance versus maybe this desire for like a big tent and unity. Um, and, and, and that's kind of been Winger's approach to ministry. I think he has a broad, very ecumenical audience. Um, look at his comments. People will say, I'm a Calvinist, but you're my favorite uh, Arminian. So, I mean, he has a broad range of support. So does, when you say ecumenical, does that include Catholics and East, Eastern Orthodox? I'm not quite sure what his thoughts are on that. I imagine he's, I mean, again, I, I imagine he is, uh, I guess, uh, I imagine he's friendly towards them, but I don't, ima- I, I mean, again, uh, I think. So I, I want to give a shout out to David Morrill of uh, Protestia. Uh, he's taking an issue with uh, Mike's propensity to exercise what I'm calling normative discernment. And that's a pretty interesting term. I'd love for you to give a quick definition of that in the uh, chat as well. And obviously we love taking live chat, but I guess it's like, you know, just being a normie and trying to do discernment without trying to go too deep into theological nits and, I, and nooks and crannies, I, I guess. Might, I, I think that might be accurate. I mean, and again, I opened the article describing like his ministry, you know, 482,000 subs. So that's a big, big deal again. Yeah, that's a huge you know, If I'm going to take a critique at a guy with a channel that large i do want to make sure i you know cross the t's dot the i's kind of thing right um, which is why you're going to be leading us through this because you're more familiar with this issue i am not you i, I i've been working on other things i got a major i got a, a verdict coming out on louis giglio that'll come out on sunday that's pretty exciting and then you know doing some editing earlier today of something i wrote a long time ago that i'm gonna have to re-update before we uh, submit that one to a, a broader next level. But it, it appears just from the chat, you know, he does have some content against Romanism or uh, well, I'm Catholicism. Assuming he, as I'm ch- assuming he Cat would, is debating he's the term. not Catholic. And it seems like we have some agreement with you that his own defense video didn't help his case. So we're going to actually, I actually pull think up his, his own defense. defense. I think his defense video actually makes the case against him more than it actually helps him because again if if it had just been those the two initial uh doctrinal watchdog and uh and bible thumping wingnut it probably would have died down very quickly because i don't necessarily think it was the best packaging um but again i mean if you look at his channel he's got apologetics biblical exegesis uh, q a and again occasionally discernment because i know he's done things on uh the passion pro uh, passion translation um, I mean, the Passion Translation is very bad news just because it was written by one singular person, I think, which was not Louis Giglio of the Passion Conferences, uh, just so we're clear, um, which is why I specifically looked that up was to make sure there was no connection there. Um, but um, 
we have just a weird uh it's definitely a more all-encompassing christian apologetics discernment youtube channel very broad audience broad scope you said that are you a subscriber to them to mike uh, Weiner? Yeah. yeah and that's so. kind of where i found the uh that's kind of where I got, I guess, some of the inside scoop because I saw that him put out the live stream. Like, okay, I'll probably save a time to watch that. Yeah, because I'll be pretty upfront. I don't watch too much of other discernment content. I, I, I do watch Protestia tonight, usually not live. I like John Harris, but I never watch those on time anymore. <laughs> like, if I need to get a lot of work done, I, I'm going to put John Harris on and stuff like that. But I don't watch as much discernment other discernment content as you know this channel might let on um so uh, and then i i have gotten a little bit more into right response ministries uh and watching them like at least once or twice a week so stuff like that but it it does appear that we do have the response video ready to go it is loaded i don't think we need to go 1.25 speed usually i watch videos at 1.25 speed on this channel but I think he speaks fast enough that we don't have to do that. Um, so let's just, I'm going to start playing. Uh, let me know in the chat if you should be able to hear this in the chat. Why I'm bothering to make a video about this. So I'm going to go through several lies that have been told about me. I'll show you guys the clips. I'll show you the teachings I actually have. But I want to explain like why I'm doing this. Um, so why not just overlook, like Mike, why not just overlook it and like be the bigger man and not respond to it? And I actually think that that's normally the way I handle People who say stuff about me online, <laughs> that's normally how I do it. And it happens every single day to me, right? So I do normally do that because you hardly ever hear me talk about it. But in this case, there's a guy called Doctrinal Watchdog. That's Doctrinal Watchdog Active that does um, like discernment ministry stuff online on YouTube. He has a very small channel. Nobody's heard of it, but he put up recently some videos. Okay, I got to pause right there. Very small channel could describe evangelical dark web. I don't think it accurately describes Bible size doesn't matter. For, yeah, you could argue we could argue about whether size matters or not, but and certainly that is my argument. You know, only having twenty, uh, nearly twenty six hundred subs, but you know he has four hundred and eighty six thousand or whatever. You, and then Bible thumping wingnut has like ninety thousand, which is a lot for a channel of this niche. So kind of dismissive already. Uh, speaking of which, you're not super familiar with uh, uh, Tim Hurd. Is that correct? No, I had I kind of looked at his channel to get a, like a like a primary impression of him. I kind of like, got, the, uh, I kinda you got know, a uh, McCarthy MacArthur bro vibe. OK, David did respond uh, with his regular. It's normative versus regular the term discernment example is mike claiming he doesn't see charismatics as being slain in the spirit in the bible but also finds no scripture against it um and just i, I bring david morrill back into the fray because you know he's kind of more tim Hurd's a little bit more in the pulpit and pen camp you know or protestia now he's kind of more in their camp but he does seem to seem to have a lot of content on john MacArthur on his channel um and he's more of a MacArthur fanboy. And I'm going to mean that in a good way for now, because I don't know if he's like a MacArthur bro, as I like to call those people. But as far as I know, uh, I don't, again, I don't watch as much other people's discernment content as I let on. I kind of let on like who I 
regularly watch. Um, so I don't want to be super presumptuous about uh, what I do and don't watch. Speaking of which, uh, when I was playing the video, the volume was all good and the chat because I wasn't quite sure because videos that were deceptive about me, misleading about me. I tried to correct him and he didn't listen. Um, then Bible Thumping Wingnut, that's the name of their YouTube channel, BTWN News, which is Tim Hurd, a guy I know personally, just a little bit, not a lot. Um, he took those clips of me taken out of context and the misleading and deceptive content and they made another video, which has been getting a lot more views. This is uh, lies about my teaching. It's not just about me. Mike's, Mike's four foot tall and he only eats broccoli. Like that, it's not lies about me, it's lies about my actual teachings and the doctrine I teach and the things I believe. And a lot of people have been emailing my ministry right through BibleThinker.org, my, my website, have been emailing us and in the comments asking questions, you really believe that, Mike? You're supporting Bethel? Mike, you believe in Chris Vallotton? I always pronounce his name wrong. The prophet of Bethel? Um, oh, you, you've been slain in the spirit, Mike? I didn't know that. You believe, you support those things? This is the lies that are being told about me, and people are confused. Now, this means that people who follow my ministry and my teaching are going either A, I now reject all of Mike's teaching, or I question you know, what the validity of whatever he says, which you should always question, just question for good reasons, not lies. Um, or B, they're more open to follow Bethel. They're more open to follow Chris Volatin and his fake prophecy and stuff like that because they think that I'm now supporting those things, right? So I, it, it's just, there's nothing good that comes of it. But I know that in 1 Corinthians, when Paul's ministry to the Corinthians was threatened by personal attacks against Paul, he didn't defend himself for the sake of himself. He did, however, defend himself, speak truth about himself and offer actual in scripture defenses of himself just as a way of keeping the bridge of ministry open to the Corinthians, because they would lose out on the opportunity to be ministered to by him. And they would be controlled and misled by other people who were trying to bring people after themselves. So here we go. Uh, let's just get started with it. This is the first clip. This first clip has three lies about me, um, so you can hear them. And yeah. Ports the uh, prophet at Bethel Church. Shocking. I'm shocked. Okay, um, I thought All right. so this was one of the claims that he, uh, Tim Hurd does kind of retract. I mean, he does admit he was a little loose in the lips, uh, kind of doing the whole trashing John MacArthur because, you know, it sounds clickbaity. Um, what they will be discussing is more or less a it's him and Ruslan and Ruslan, I guess, brings up a John MacArthur commentary, which, again, I have the MacArthur study Bible. So. Um, I, I can pull up the commentaries that, that they're citing. And I believe they're citing the 1 Corinthians 14, uh, particularly verse 4 in, in that range of verses. But I want to say verse 4 particularly is the commentary they're pretty much going to be citing or referencing. All right. So I, I want to wrap through some chat real quick. Uh, Charles uh, chimes in that, yes, Tim Hurd is for sure a MacArthur fanboy. Um, Mike, women love Mike Winger a lot because he's nice, uh, nice or handsome. Eh, he's a decent looking guy, right? Uh, um, and I guess KL is being a little bit more adversarial towards the fact that we're trying to weigh in on this and just call balls and strikes. Mike, when it comes to uh, is solid when it comes to the essentials and amazing for much more. Y'all hating on the wrong brother. 
agree to disagree and go find real issues take care and i don't necessarily see that as legitimate criticism because what have we we're, we're kind of setting things up right now we haven't actually really begun to weigh in other than tangentially or making reference to his defense video actually makes it worse that's kind of you know all we've really said on the subject so far so i don't think it's a fair criticism at the moment so let's uh ready to continue the video yeah go ahead mike was pretty solid i thought that he was just not a calvinist and i do not think that he's solid anymore after you uh, what okay i watched and learned this. today and researched and what i'm presenting uh you want me to skip ahead and yeah you can probably skip through um because he's probably gonna either he's gonna talk about the... okay it looks like he's about to talk about John here. MacArthur and what they said about Bethel. Then we'll hear from each of these men their experiences of being slain in the spirit. Yes, both of them being slain in the spirit. Um, and then we will talk about Michael, Mike Winger's view on um, the position of uh, church prophet, which he holds to. Amazingly, we're going to learn that he uh, supports the uh, prophet at Bethel Church. Shocking. I'm shocked. Um, them. Actually, <laughs> no, in fact, he didn't. That's the next clip. He literally admits that he never even watched it, which is, yeah, here it is. And uh, here he is. This was uh, in 2018. He made a video, um, Bill Johnson Theology and Movement Examined Biblically. And it has a, over a million views. And when I saw that, I thought, good for him good for him he did a good thorough job i didn't watch it though <laughs> and i've watched portions of it today and i'm very very disappointed again the portions that he watched are of course just the portions that doctrinal watchdog cut out of context and then doctrinal watchdog this youtube channel added like text on the screen and the title of the video to make it sound like i was saying something i wasn't i did correct them I actually went to Doctrinal Watchdog's channel and wrote, hey, here's what you're saying about me. Here's not true. Here's my actual beliefs. And they all they did was change like the title of their video slightly, still misleading. Um, but they didn't receive the correction I had for them. I corrected Tim after he made this video and I gave several things that I said, these are lies about me, Tim. You need to retract this video. And he just doubled down on it. Um, and so that's why I'm bringing it to you guys. I tried reaching out to Tim personally. I actually have Tim on Messenger. He wouldn't even respond to me. He ignored me and wouldn't respond to me on Messenger, which is weird. Um, so that's where that's at right now. Um, he didn't watch it, just portions. Now let's look at two more lies. So the first three lies were that I was slain in the spirit, that I hold to the idea that churches should have official prophets in, in position at their churches that, and then the three that I support Bethel's prophet, Chris, and I don't, uh, number four, the fourth lie you're going to hear in the fifth lie in this next clip, get my ear ready. I find it very confusing that he doesn't support Chris Vallotton. Is that his name? Is that how you pronounce his name? I've only ever seen it spelled and then maybe heard here, but I've never actually said it out loud, I guess. But if he's a false prophet, if you don't support his prophecy, then why would you support Bethel Church as a whole? And that would be one of my major criticisms of his Bethel video. I, I say in the article, he kind of splits the baby of trying to, repudiate their teaching without repudiating their teachers 
So right. And he does in his video describe Bethel as functioning as having an apostle and a prophet as like, you know, I guess. because I, I mean, because they're part of the NAR movement. Yeah, which uh, is built, an and, ministry or something. And, like you know, just full disclosure, I have said I have written that Bill Johnson is a false teacher. That is the official position of evangelical dark web. It's in writing. A little less organized today, but that's because I just don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Um, this video is an hour go. long. So want to be here it is. About that. Uh, this is on a different YouTube channel. Doctor and a Watchdog found this and posted it on their website. It's six minutes long. We'll we'll play it and I'll I will stop it to give comment on it. Mike Winger and Ruslan. Do you want to listen to the six minutes or skip ahead? Um, skip um, the nine minute mark. Or we can judge whether this doctrinal watchdog clip is in context or out of context. I mean, it's around the eight minute mark. Go ahead, go for it. Um, yeah. Because you're going to their charismatic Pentecostal the experiences and defend Bill Johnson. You would never call them heretics or wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And I think that, that that's a, we don't see that enough in terms of engaging with folks that are a bit more charismatic, that it's always their heretics, their false teachers, their wolves in sheep's clothing, that the tongues are pagan. Like I remember reading John MacArthur's study Bible commentary and he reading through first Corinthians and he's like, yeah, this was a pagan thing. It's demonic. And I'm just like, like, how is this so wild? But in your video regarding yeah. see Mike's response to that, agreeing fully with Ruslan, Sean MacArthur's very off base on his take of Bethel church. And Ruslan was re giving a review of how much he appreciated uh, Mike's review. The one that I showed you has over a million views. Bethel, you were extremely gracious and not questioning their salvation and not questioning and not calling them heretics and false teachers, which is always thrown around loosely about everybody this person's a heretic it's always about a secondary issue this person's a heretic this person's a false teacher this person's a wolf in sheep's clothing i get i get called that all the time <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's hilarious that you would get called that so all right in this cliff what we're getting is um there's a difference between what me and ruslan are talking about and what tim is talking about so ruslan is saying he says uh, that macarthur and, and many others they treat Anybody who speaks in tongues today as though they're like, this is what Ruslan says. Okay, it's not even a claim I made. They, they treat uh, charismatics and anybody who maybe speaks in tongues or something as though they're actually demon-possessed. And so they just start calling them like, maybe you're false brothers. Maybe you're, if you spoke in tongues, maybe you're just not even really a Christian at all. And um, I don't know for sure if MacArthur does that in his study Bible. I don't know that. When I nodded my head in agreement. Uh, can um, you speak to that for a second? So the, yeah, the study Bible doesn't, reference demonic possession and dealing with the tongues it does more or less call it a pagan ritual and i guess macarthur's commentary would the way that people that. speak in tongues yes as... and he distinguish he his, the commentary specifically distinguishes between the use of the word tongue and the use of the word tongues so the plural is the distinguishing factor if it's if he's talking about a tongue he would be more or less talking about the spiritual tongue that you know is more associated with pentecostals versus tongues which would be human languages. So, and he, I, I mean, he takes the view and I would probably second this, that Paul's probably more or less sarcastic on the notion of speaking in a tongue, uh, just because- MacArthur no takes one, that view? Yeah, he's cessation. Well, no, but you're saying that he says that Paul's being sarcastic in that. I think he might actually go that far. Okay. Um, but 
more or less Paul would pretty much say, uh, he mean the commentary. And again, you, a straight reading of scripture would pretty much say, if you can't tr- interpret the tongue, then you're being self edifying and therefore you should just shut up. So, I mean, that's pretty much how the apostle Paul handles the situation. That is pretty much my reading of the speaking in tongues. And if you don't have someone to interpret the tongues and keep it to yourself, that's kind of what, that's the nice way of putting it, but yeah. Uh, and that can be taken far. I mean, uh, uh, Cram Schwab uh, says, uh, oh, come on, that ain't the doesn't know what he's, ta- what he's talking about. I don't know if he ever does, in my opinion, but that's just me. With Ruslan as an active listener, you ever do active listening? You're listening to someone, you, they talk, and you go, huh? Yeah, yeah. Does that mean I agree fully with every single thing you've ever said in this in this time? And no, obviously, it doesn't mean that. It, he just, it's just weird. Um, and I can believe Tim's response to the MacArthur stuff is interesting because. Ruslan, just for clarity, Ruslan's talking about MacArthur's First Corinthians commentary, and that in the commentary, he embeds in it this cessationism, and according to Ruslan, I don't know if this is true, um, this idea that Christians today who practice these things have like some sort of demonic or pagan type thing going on if they speak in tongues, for instance. Now, that that does sound possible because, it, at least at the Strange Fire conference, John MacArthur did there were some things they said in that conference that were like, well, that was really like, you kind of made it sound like half a, half a billion Christians around the world are like not really Christians based upon your standards. And I, and that's what Ruslan's happy about. He's happy that I don't do that, that I don't just casually say that, Hey, um, nobody's, um, nobody's saved if they do X, like say I Calvinists, I disagree with, I don't, you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I disagree with you, but you're my brothers and sisters. So this is the part I try to quote in the article. Um, so I thought this was kind of a money line and kind of like a money tangent that he'll, that he'll kind of go into. Um, but I mean, uh, it, I mean, yeah, I, I can totally buy the active listening. I mean, there's a whole Dwight Schrute uh, joke on uh, like the office about active listening. I'm I mean, sure, so. active listening doesn't come as naturally to men, which is the, the joke in the office. So, yeah, a little less believable because of that factor, but I, I under, I'm going to allow for that argument. I'm going to allow it. We'll let that slide. Um, ready to continue on? Yeah. Sisters. I get it. And this is really what I'm in trouble for with Doctrinal Watchdog and with Tim is that primarily the biggest thing that they, that they say about me that's true, that's not a lie is that I really do think that a lot of Christians are real Christians, even though they have major issues in their lives, whether it's some doctrinal things that are wrong or whether it's even some practical, like living their life and there's issues. And maybe I'm less confident that they're Christian because of the things I see, but I'm not gonna call them false brethren because of it. I've done this with several people who are even prominent teachers like Joel Osteen, who I, yeah, I've got reason to wonder whether that guy's really saved or not, but I. I lean and I lean hopefully on the side that, you know, he does seem to proclaim the true gospel of Christ. And if you say he doesn't show me specifically where he says how you get saved is X, Y, Z, and it's not the actual biblical gospel. Like I haven't seen that. So I can't say that. Um, and, And many are so quick to just call others false brethren, fake Christians, because on a secondary issue, they differ than us. That this is what I'm in trouble for. Okay fine, then make a video about how bad that is and how much you don't like my teaching there and how you think it's not not right and show it in scripture. Don't add a bunch of other lies in there, which is unfortunately what's happening with this. So um, here's uh, 
the another clip on this. Notice what he says. We we just said. Okay, so he's about to set up another clip, but that part was pretty yikes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Osteen is like the lowest hanging fruit of false. The lowest, maybe, maybe fruit. like Creflo Dollar. I mean, certainly with the guy's the, name is Creflo Dollar. If that's not a sign that he's a prosperity preacher, I don't. I mean, I kind of say he's the poster child of white prosperity teachers. What that's and, that's Joel Osteen for sure, and and one of my hypotheses is since he was so famous for building the multicultural church, I think a lot of I don't. I think we've underestimated. This is my hypothesis, and I'm working on some content about this, but this is my hypothesis. We'll see if it's true or not. But I think Joel Osteen has had way more impact on the evangelical church. And I mean the evangelical church that is not necessarily the Hillsong crowd. He has had a lot more impact on the mainstream, like, say, Southern Baptist Convention. He's had a lot more impact on that church than we give him credit for. Because everyone's trying to use his methods and stuff or compete with his methods. Like he's so low hanging fruit that the Babylon Bee would come out with an article with a headline that says Joel Osteen preaches the gospel on Sunday morning. Like that that, that would be a Babylon Bee headline. The Babylon Bee, I could probably count with my hands how many false teachers the Babylon Bee has ever gone after. And I can name Joel Osteen as one. And Stephen Furtick as another. I don't know how many false teachers the Babylon Bee has ever gone after, but I know they've gone after those two. So I think that's, again, it's not necessarily that, you know, a lot of times a false teacher will articulate the gospel correctly sometime well, in their lifetime, in their ministry. The other they will thing say is, the bare bones of the gospel correctly. Well, the other thing is what is sin is also something that needs to be defined. Because, if again, if you look right. in prosperity circles, sin is just adversity. Oh, yes. you got to be on a test. Uh, yes. You failed the bar exam. That's that's sin. That's what you need God to help you overcome. Uh, and so those that are- – exactly. So, you know, they can say the gospel correctly in regular people language. But then a lot of times – like you just articulated, they redefine words. What does sin mean? So what is Jesus saving you from? They, they'll they say that Jesus saves, but then they'll change what he's saving us from. The, again, the adversity. You got Rich Wilkerson Jr. preaching at Kanye West Sunday service saying that you trust in Jesus to get you through hard times. And that's basically what you're being saved from is hard times. And again, a lot of prosperity gospel preachers, a little bit more overt than that. Others will put it in their faith statement, like Michael Todd, probably the most viral pastor at the moment is Mike Todd in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which, by the way, I was the first person ever really write about as a false teacher at the time, because this was before his book went viral and uh, he before he went viral in 2020. And he had in his faith statement that they believe that part of the evidence of, you know, in part of being saved is that you will have financial prosperity or even just mental adding mental health and mental health and that's that's where you see like a lot of new you know we're trying to keep up with the times we had mental health in with like physical and spiritual well-being they just add mental well-being as well and it just kind of it, it's nuts but they add to the gospel so they or they'll redefine the gospel these are things that false teachers do or they'll take away from the gospel So those are the three macro areas of false teaching. You add to scripture, you take away from scripture, or you read into scripture. That's Gnosticism, 
So legalism, Gnosticism, antinomianism, those are the three broadest categories of false teaching. And with Osteen in particular, I mean, I think Winger puts out a video of him uh, referencing 14 out of 15 verses out of context. So, I mean, how much leeway are you willing to extend? And, and again, I mean, with him and, of course, Bethel, he doesn't really talk about the financial, I guess, benefits and the financial empire that they developed. I mean, he doesn't really talk about the sordid gain, this idea that these people are financially motivated, because, I mean, Osteen puts out a book seemingly every year or every other year. He's licensed on, like, Sirius XM. Uh, he's... He's got, I mean, I don't think he takes a salary from his church per se, but he'll basically get all the, he'll get all the uh, additional upselling, so to speak. Right. He, that's where he makes his money. And right. of course they so sell, he doesn't need that. They sell like gimmicky products. And again, Bethel's the same way. They sell a ministry school. Like, and a faith Bethel's school. coming out with a movie or coming out with the, is the Corey Asbury movie coming out soon or did that already come out? Come on, Corey Asbury or Sean Foley? Corey Asbury. I don't know about that one, but I so, mean, yeah, like Bethel literally sell. I mean, it wasn't, a, I forget what they sold, but it wasn't a Babylon B. Johnson a is problem. a prophet, <laughs> big, a big prophet. Uh, and yeah, Bethel is built for a, uh, entirely for a profit and building an enterprise. That's what their music is about. And then they believe that they can teach spiritual gifts like prophecy, which I don't think you can teach that. I don't, I don't even think if, like if we or, are to take a continuationist position for the sake of this debate, it's the Holy Spirit that instills gifts. It's not we cannot teach people charismatic gifts. I don't think those can be taught. If you, you know, fundamentally believe in the continuation of gifts, and again, we don't need to take a position on this for the sake of this stream. But if you do believe in that, at what point you would also, and I guess Bethel's position is we can teach that to you if you pay us money. And you know that that's just crazy. Pay us money, so, buy our books. Yeah, exactly. Attend so, our seminar. We got another clip coming up. That we disagree with John MacArthur's commentary, but if you'll look at what actually is claimed about me, what people are being told about me through Tim Hurd, Bible thumping wingnut, and um, uh, a doctrine watchdog, they're and they're I consider them my brothers too. That's the thing. I consider them my brothers. I just think that they're just making some big mistakes here. Um, what's, what people are being told by them, though, is that I trashed John MacArthur and that I, and this is the crazy part, that I defend a false gospel. Not Those are their words, not mine. Listen to the clip. This is crazy. But Mike Winger and Ruslan trashed John MacArthur while defending Bethel's false gospel. That sounds like, that sounds like, no, that's crazy. Mike Winger defend Bethel, Bethel's gospel? And trash John MacArthur? That can't be right. <sighs> but he's going to go on to say he does think it's right. Like, that is what he thinks I have done, is I've trashed John MacArthur. All I did was nod. <laughs> like, Ruslan made all these statements about a First Corinthians commentary, and I went, yeah. And then I... Tr that was uh, point of order, is this dissenter? I didn't see the... Okay. It looks yeah, like it's the center. Like, I don't know if he said anything and I missed it because I just got a phone call that I had to like mute for a second. But is that the center that he's doing that on? It was me trashing John MacArthur. I disagree with John MacArthur. I'm going to play a clip in a minute of some stuff. I was asked about John MacArthur during a Q&A one time 
And um, I actually offered my thoughts on John MacArthur. I'll share that, not just in a minute, but a little bit here after we get further down the road. So you can hear me. And you know I haven't changed my thoughts because I'm trying to get away from the exposure I've had from these, these, these discernment guys. Rather, this is just my actual thoughts. Um, yeah. A side note, Ruslan wasn't talking about John MacArthur's view of Bethel. He was talking about his First Corinthians commentary. Tim acted like it was a discussion of Bethel when it, when it was not in that moment. Um, let's go to the next clip, though. And we'll talk here about Bethel's gospel. Bethel's gospel. And there is a cut here where they cut out some of what I said because that's the nature of taking things out of context. In terms of secondary issues, the charismatic side, you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, right? I, I believe in the gifts. Of, I call myself charismatic. Um, they name the name of Christ. They've got the essentials of the faith. For the most part, they do. Even yes. Bethel, I didn't see a false gospel in Bethel's teaching. I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. Okay, so person who put this video together um they now have um clipped in chris roseboro exposing the false gospel of bethel church so here's this realm of the miraculous that is waiting for this i just love the level of inception that we have right now that we're watching a clip of someone yeah, else watching someone, a clip yeah. of someone else watching a clip <laughs> So we got some inception going on. And stewardship of the knowledge of God put into decrees that are proclaimed over each other. So let's let me back this up a little bit here because it's he's preaching a false gospel by saying these words. It's interpreted by many as disease allowed or brought on by God. That's a different gospel. No, it's not. Paul told Timothy to take wine for his frequent ailments. Jesus didn't model it. Jesus did not heal everybody who came to him. Mark 1 is very clear on that. He didn't teach it. And Paul said. And I'm not first on Mark 1. You can't change the standard. Call that, but I don't think it gets refuted. Or the standard is not that Christians always get healed. That's not biblical nor is it in line with even reality. Um, they name the name of Christ. They've got the essentials of the faith. For the most part, they do. Even yes. Bethel. I didn't see a false gospel in Bethel's teaching. Not yes. that I'm aware of. I listened to, to prepare for that message, I listened to 60 hours of Bill Johnson's teachings. 60 hours of Bill Johnson's teachings. Okay, I did not hear a false gospel. Okay. I spent less than five minutes to find it. I'm not sure so, how much actually. I'm realizing that there's one clip I didn't have ready for you guys. So let me just create that. It take like 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, what I want to do is I want to. Was that a roast by uh, t uh, Tim Hurd right there? Like it took five minutes to find it. Well, it's weird because, I mean, again, Winger discussed this in 2018, and I don't know how much has changed other than, you know, the, obviously the Empire aspect of Bethel. They're probably a little bigger. Um, are they like, bigger because you know i don't I mean they got know how music. much yeah i don't know how much they grew or didn't grow during lockdowns in california but, of all places but i mean like i don't i don't think their theology has changed i mean obviously they again they had the whole they i mean they've had scandals and uh, in the last two years i believe it was what beginning of 2020 where they had the whole olive uh, thing where they failed to resurrect a three-year-old girl or something like that. I thought it was a two-year-old, but yeah. I, it was something. It was a small child around the age of my daughter, and 
they kind of made it seem like this was going to happen and it never happened. And it looks like we got doctrinal watchdog in the house. <laughs> so, uh, so shout out to doctrinal watchdog, uh, for joining us this evening. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Bethel has grown. I, I've done a whole series on ghost mega churches, but I don't know if they're a ghost mega church or not. I'm leaning towards no because I don't have any evidence. But, but again, we're going back to the addition to the Gospels. As, right. I mean, again, and you can that's what they do. Anything. And, and again, goes back to he will refute uh, his video refutes a lot of their teaching, but he'll still kind of try to hang on to the fact that they could still be saved because they have like you know, one plus two plus three, but you know, he's going to discount the four plus five plus six. So he's going to discount this, you know, the, the stuff they hitched onto it. Right. Which is where the social justice people come in, which again, this might apply more towards a laity versus the teacher itself, you know, the sheep versus the shepherd. And I like, I mean, the mercy he extends towards like an Osteen type. I mean, I mean, and that might be I don't think error. that's a mercy we should. Ex you're right. That's not a mercy we should extend towards the teacher. But I mean, it's a yeah. mercy that can be extended towards the laid, the layman. But I think when you step into the ordination, you step into that. You step in for doubly accountable, but also doubly rewarded. Or I, I is, I believe, what First Timothy says. So the other thing is beyond reproach is the standard. So you you are, I mean, the standard is much higher. Able to teach, which means you have to know what's true. You have to know, you have to have a knowledge in order to teach knowledge. And one thing I talk about with, uh, with I guess, Bethel in particular is like a cult leader. And cults are generally like hyper-focused on like a certain issue or set of issues. And that's how, and they'll take a real, like, you know, all these Christian cults, I'm sure they started off with the gospel and then they hyper-focused on a certain set set of issues. I mean, we can go back to, you know, I'm sure David Koresh taught a gospel presentation, but, you know, he had a hyper-focus on, I guess, his eschatology and then pretty much, uh, you know, took everyone's wives and, you know, cucked all the husbands. And of course, Jehovah's Witnesses uh, hyper focus in on the, I guess, the translation of John, where they add he was Jesus was the son of a God or something like that, or a son of God. So they that's what Jehovah's Witnesses hyper focus in on. So right, and Bethel hyper focuses on healing Spiritual and times. gifts. Oh uh, yeah, and then, play for you. Let's. My actual commentary on Bill Johnson making those claims about the gospel itself. And I want to restore my actual meaning. So there was a cut there. They removed a, a bit of what I had said uh, and what Ruslan had said about charismatic stuff and all this. Me and Ruslan both have major issues with Bethel and with their teaching and with their practices. Both of us do, which, which you wouldn't know that from the way they've cut these clips together. Um, my point about not seeing a false gospel in Bethel's teaching was that then on that most essential thing of how you get saved, they don't affirm like something that compromises the very nature of how someone gets saved. They don't. But there is a clip where Bill, and, and the thing is, I mean, you, you see Chris Roseborough actually talking about the clip here, but I'm pretty sure that on the internet, I'm the one who found that clip first and shared it. And it was then everybody else who started sharing it. 
because I dug through 60 plus hours of Bill Johnson's teachings, found it, found that as the most disturbing clip he has when it relates to the gospel itself. Everything else, when he talks about the gospel, which almost never does, it's very, very rare, but it's always orthodox theology. It's always right Christian theology when he discusses the gospel. But on this clip, it was not. And so let me pull it up for you guys. It'll just take. Really? Really? You, you've listened to 60 hours of Bill Johnson and only that clip was a red flag to you? Now, keep in mind, in his Bethel video, so again, going back to 2018, like I think he used the 60 hours uh, line in that video. So 60 hours four years ago. So probably more since then, assuming. Um, when I wrote the thing on Bill Johnson, and maybe I can pull it up right now, I'm, I don't think I listened to 60 hours worth of content to come up with any conclusions. You can see videos of him basically calling himself an apostle and declaring that other false teachers are apostles. I mean, like so, he, he doesn't say, I, I don't think he claims to have witnessed or watched in that video, at least Bethel present a gospel, pre, like a gospel presentation, which, you know, that's absence. I don't want to say absence of evidence is evidence of absence, but um, he doesn't miss, he, I mean, again, 60 hours, I would think, you know, thorough gospel presentation might come up, but he does say that they, that Bethel teaches that you don't, uh, you can't just be a reprobate, which I mean, you know, judging by the fact that Sean Floyd is like right wing, I mean, that, that's probably true. And that might be a deviation given that like Hillsong and a lot of these others are, you know, left, left leaning politically. I mean, but still, this is kind of like the whole thing that I, I did with, uh, was it Francis Chan? And it's like, you know, if you're examining whether a teacher is a false teacher or not, you know, and they're claiming all these prophecies, one of the evidences of whether they're a false teacher or not is, is there, do their prophecies come true? You know, so when Francis Chan, er you know, erroneously or without evidence, we'll put it that way, says that he healed, you know, he saw an entire village get healed or whatever without any evidence. Did that happen or did that not happen? Or in this case, Bethel is probably the easier example. When, you know, when they claim that all these faith healings happen, these dead risings happen, did they happen or did they not happen? If they lied on any one of those, that's a strike, major red flag on that entire ministry. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I think that, you know, you cite Deuteronomy uh, for that. And, you know, I think Deuteronomy is clear. If a false prophet prophesies falsely, they are, you know, that they're done. That That's it. That's how you know they're a false teacher. And how does that not extend to Bethel's ministry? Well, I mean, he does it with the, the prophecy in the, in the um, healing ministry where he kind of says there's some fake stuff in there, but there's also some real stuff. So it's kind of like you fence it, split the baby. Right. However you want to word it. I guess he's coming up to that. Take a moment. Um, let me see. This is my actual discussion of why I would affirm they do teach the real gospel, but I have some reservations. I just want you to understand my actual teaching. If you want to disagree with it, fine. But the lie is that I affirm Bethel's false gospel, as in I'm here going, hey, Bethel has this really messed up gospel, and I also affirm that, and I'm totally behind it. That's the impression you get from Tim Hurd and from Doctrinal Watchdog. What's weird about the clip I'm about to share with you is it's the part they cut out. 
from my actual teachings about Bethel's gospel. This is my actual teaching in full on why I affirm Bethel has like, I think the gospel intact, I think, meaning I'm not 100% sure, but I, I believe the gospel's intact there. Yet there are, there's a, this one major teaching he has that's like dangerous and bad and it's a problem. Anyway, here's, here's my more nuanced teaching. And this is, I think, what Tim Hurd and Doctrinal Watchdog hate is the nuance. They don't want the nuance. So what they do is they remove that part and make it as one-sided and ugly as possible. Um, here it is. This is probably the right clip. What is the gospel? What exactly is the gospel they're getting into? Um, I do think the gospel of, of Bethel is probably intact with additions. Um, now, it's it's tough when you add something to the gospel because if what you're adding may may pervert the gospel to the point where it's, it's a false gospel. Um, or, it, or it may not. I mean, this is a complicated issue. It depends on what you add, doesn't it? Or how you add it. Are you adding works to the gospel? That's a false gospel. So I think, but I think the Bethel gospel is intact except for one big thing that they do, which is they include in the gospel itself, the gospel of salvation, uh, now the, the heart of the gospel, right? Jesus' death and resurrection and our faith in him for salvation. That's the heart of the gospel. This is getting you know, bad For eternal quick. life in Christ moving forward in the, into the future. But to them, the gospel includes something about healing today, right now. Not just the idea of healing. It includes you will be healed today, right now, in the name of Jesus. God wants to heal everybody. And that to them is central to the gospel. So here is That's a, false a gospel. kind of disturbing moment where Bill quotes Galatians 2. Uh, can we just say that that's a false gospel? And, I mean, uh, doctrinal watchdog uh, contends that never says he affirms a false gospel, but it, it sounds like more that they say that he affirms Bethel, who preaches a false gospel. So, I I guess in mathematics that would be like the transitive or associative property. I don't know, but not the commutative property. But this got bad real quick. Well, yeah, I mean, but you've talked about it before. The gospel is simple. It's not easy. So, the, you know. Then why add, you don't add to it? Adding to it is bad. It is a false, you know, you're perverting the gospel once you add to it, regardless of what you add to it. And he uses the anathema of Galatians 2, if you're familiar with the passage. He uses it against anyone who doesn't think healing, not just healings for today, but complete and total healing every time is for today. They're, they're anathematized, which is to say they have a false gospel. Let's listen to this. I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. Now here we got a problem. Only one, it's a small one. The apostle Paul gives a warning in Galatians. And he says this, he says, if I, he's the one who brought the gospel to him. He said, if I, or even an angel comes to you and preaches to you a different gospel, Moroni, you're to reject it. That's amazing. An angel shows up and he brings you a different standard, a different gospel, reject it. He says, even if I come back to you and I change my mind, don't pay any attention to me. Mike speaks. Uh, what gospel is it? It's the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. Let me illustrate. 
Paul refers to his thorn in the flesh, which has been interpreted by many as disease allowed or brought on by God. That's a different gospel. Jesus didn't model it, and he didn't teach it. And Paul said, you can't change the standard. That felt good. You guys all right? Yeah. Uh, what he's doing here is he's actually saying you're you're anathematized, which means you have, you're not just cursed in the sense of like something bad will happen. You know, you have a false gospel if you don't teach that Jesus always intends healing every time. In fact, he even hung it on the idea. Some people teach that Paul's thorn in the flesh was a physical thing, was a physical illness or disease. He, it was definitely a physical ailment. Like, I don't see how you can get away around this. It was a physical ailment. That's the text. That's what it says. It was some sort of, I'm not perfectly healthy and, and, and prospering right now. Like, there's no way around it. It had to have been, even if it wasn't a disease, right? If it was like a, a limp or, or a, just, I don't know, some giant splinter sticking out of his side. Like, it still was not perfect and whole and healthy. But if I teach that now, I'm anathematized according to Bill. I've brought up a false gospel according to Bill Johnson. Um, okay, so how, how extreme is this? Does this mean that Bill's not saved? Like, I'm not sure. This is such a weird, weird theology and such a strange thing to do that I don't really fully want to go there. I want to offer the, the I don't know, the, the kindness, at least, you know, human kindness of saying, no, I, maybe he's just wrong, but he's still saved there. And, uh, and I sure hope so, and I think he probably is, but God knows. So now it's one thing. It's one thing to say I'm not going to make the call on his salvation. Like you can, you're perfectly free to make that call. You don't have to say, um, I think he is. But functionally, we do not. always make that call. I mean, sometimes you can just say it's a coin flip. I mean, if you say that someone's a false teacher, you have made the call that they're not saved. Oh yeah, but. And I, I, oh, well, wrong comment. But this is a comment. Uh, Bill just said he fe it felt good to anathematize the true church. Now, <laughs> and that that's true. He's Bill's basically saying that he had the full gospel. And it, you know, again, if we want to apply logic, that means that people who do not believe that extra stuff that he's added do not have the full gospel. Well, one thing Mike Winger does just point out is basic that logic. I guess after 60 hours of watching, he's not necessarily consistent in his theology. So in that instance, he might say, you know, full gospel, obviously when he's selling music to all these Christian uh, churches and through, and all the licensing deals and the radio stations, I'm sure he, he'll, talk say about the reckless the love. Right, he'll say they have the right gospel. So, you know, they're, but he is very shifty in his theology. At least that's what uh, Mike says in his video, which, and, that he doesn't necessarily offer a defense to his gospel because he preaches a lot of times in like illustrative language. Um, he'll throw a joke in there. So the way he teaches, the way Bill Johnson teaches isn't conducive to necessarily na na nailing him down on a consistent theology other than healing prophecy and, you know, the core basics. 
of right. like his type of theology. Right. And doctrinal watchdog says that we need uh, clarity, not wishy-washy social media influencers calling themselves pastor. Is Mike Winger actually a pastor? I believe he was a youth pastor, and then okay. this is his full-time job. I mean, he That's has what his over four hundred thousand subscribers, four hundred eighty-six, right? And yeah. he doesn't seem to get in trouble with the YouTube stuff, I guess. So, you know, he's got a job. And I'm not saying that as a diss, although that could be a diss is if he has avoided taking controversial stands. I think more often than not, I'll just put it on my website and just do articles that I won't do on YouTube and just adver advertise it as such. But uh, I don't know if he takes super controversial stands much, but we'll see. Okay, so the difference... Um between what I actually said and what Tim Hurd and Doctrinal Watchdog claim I say, which is, is a lie about me and a lie to you about the things that, that I believe and that I teach and that I promote, which would lead some of you to discount me and others to actually follow Bethel because you respect me more than you respect Bible thumping wingnut or whoever else, right? And, um, and I mean, that's as dangerous anyways. You don't want to just go with whatever teachers you respect and just run with their thoughts like you need to... I mean, okay, his servant S says Osteen did hit him with the cop. Oh, man. Twice. He did that twice. twice. And here's the thing. If Osteen wants to file false copyright claims, I mean, he's free to do that. But in the end, his channel will survive that. It'll just be a pain because YouTube's system is entirely broken when it comes to fragrantly, flagrantly false claims. I'm messing up my Fs here. But, uh, man... Uh, he's not currently a pastor. And yeah, I think we uh, covered that. I'm just clicking things in falsely. See it in scripture. At any rate, the lie that they were telling about me was I defend Bethel's false gospel. Actually, what I said, and it's nuanced, right? And people who take things out of context love it because they find these nuanced clips because they just pull out the nuanced part and make it one-sided. Um, what I actually said was, hey, Bethel has this thing, it's connected to the gospel, it's horribly false. It makes me pause in affirming that they have the real gospel, but since they have the essentials that I would consider essential, right? The death and resurrection of Christ, the need for faith in Christ for salvation apart from works. Um, they have those types of essentials. They do care about holiness and the life, things like that. Then I'm thinking that maybe this is an addition that has not invalidated the gospel because it's such a secondary issue. They're making a big deal about it. They shouldn't. But that you know, perhaps they are still saved, and I'm going to be hopeful that that is the case. Sorry, I'm losing my uh, ear earbud here. That um, that's my actual belief. Do I defend Bethel's false gospel in no regards? Like, if you were to say that gospel makes their entire gospel false, their statement from Bill about the gospel that makes their whole gospel false, then I reject the whole thing. I just don't come to that conclusion, but I would reject the whole thing if that's the case. Um, in, if if instead you were to say, "Oh, you're able to separate this wacky belief from the essentials that they affirm." Then I'm affirming the essentials, and I'm saying they have those. I'm not, and at no point am I defending. That's Bethel's not how that works. False gospel. The weird thing is that Tim, this is in the clip that you played of me. It just cut off before I said the rest. You know, when it said like they affirm the gospel, you just play the rest of the clip. You have me explaining what I mean there, and that's all it would have taken. Um, so let's do the next clip. I, I don't get the complete lack of logic here. If they teach a corrupted gospel and you say that I have 
like you can't just say and cop out that I affirm the actual gospel, which they sometimes teach or, you know, that they've added to. I affirm that part of the gospel that they teach. You well, can't really keep say Keep in mind, that. this isn't, okay, they're King James only, or maybe they do a little couple, you know, have some fun with snakes. This is, they add healing. They add entire ministries. They add office, church offices. And obviously. They have an empire. Yeah. I mean, they have, this isn't adding things this i mean or this isn't adding like one weird this isn't snake handling for or king james onlyism this is like they're going a little bit more robust i mean but at least the king james only people you know they're you know wrong about the the uh the king james only or the king james translation like they just have a bad history like the catholic church does but logically if you accept their false premises, you would lead to the same or a similar conclusion, except you would have to reconcile that with actual history because which King James version is the authorized version and which one you're going to use or whatever. So you have a bunch of other issues to correct, but you know, what they're doing is they've added to the gospel, something that wasn't really there in the first place. Well, the other thing they're adding core elements like the King James only is have redefined core elements and that core yeah. element being according to the scriptures. They just redefined what the scriptures were, which is bad. That And if you make that a standard for who has the gospel and who doesn't, you are, in an essence, preaching a false gospel at this point. And, you know, I, I don't dislike the King James version, but King James only is do make me rebel against the king james version well it's the other kind of how that works in his bethel video he does actually talk about how they they emphasize like christ's ministry is more truth than like let's say the epistles of the rest of the bible so they do kind of elevate certain teachings over others or certain scriptures over other scriptures so and so there's a lot of and again it goes back to the bethel's very inconsistent on their own theology and Bill Johnson's very inconsistent as a They don't but... have to be consistent on their own theology. It's Bethel. I mean, that, that, who's their audience? They don't have to be consistent. But they, they have a huge... Even J.D. Greer in his you know series on Romans, which Ed Litton plagiarized, was inconsistent on his theology. One week he was teaching something that was reformed. Another week he was teaching something that was not reformed, like anti-reformed, so to speak. It was Arminian. So he was taking monumentally different positions on theological issues that were contrary in the same sermon series. And that's J.D. Greer in the Southern Baptist Convention. Imagine what it's like in Bethel Church. You, you preach what you need to preach for a given Sunday uh, because that's what you think the crowd's going to like or whatever. I, I don't think it's much deeper than that. Flip. Um, but Tim didn't watch my teaching. It was Doctrinal Watchdog who pulled this clip out. Tim never watched my teaching. He watched the clip from Doct Doctrinal Watchdog. I think Doctrinal Watchdog is more at fault here for pulling it out of context in the first place. Now we get to the idea of uh, tongues and being slain in the spirit, and we'll look at that. And just for the record, when he added more context to this, it was worse, right? Yes, this was one of the claims that I said was made worse by the fact that he added the context. And then, of course, I watched the Bethel video just as, you know, and I take notes as I was watching it, just as some straight thoughts that come to mind. But, yeah, I thought this was a moment where the explanation makes things worse. 
and it kind of heightens the it actually validates a lot of the criticism even if the criticism wasn't like the best word and again i mean there's a reason tim hurt put out another video a third video uh, again and took down his first video let's say for the sake of argument doctrinal watchdog took clips out of context yet in response to having clips of him taking out of context mike winger has provided context which supports the clips or the claims overarching claim of the clips that he said that were taken out of context. He provided the context that supported the claim. That sounds like that's what happened here. Yeah. And that's actually what made me uh, want to write on it. Cause it's like, okay, there is something here. And you know, here's the thing when it comes to crime, like if there's a crime story going on across the country, I instinctually look at the defense's claim and I judge them based off their claim. And sometimes that's actually worse than what they're being charged with. You know, for instance, there was a murder locally where we live and it was a dude who killed his ex-girlfriend or whatever. And his claim in court, when he went to court, he said that he his defense was that he tried to kill himself. She got in the way of that and was killed by accident. I actually thought that that was worse than him just killing his ex-girlfriend. That's just me. You know, women are, are, are more nurturing in nature and you know she wanted to comfort you or whatever and protect you and you accidentally get her killed. I actually think that's worse. Uh, but... And he pretty much got away with it. Well, yeah, he did. He did get away with it because they gave him like a third degree murder or whatever. So he actually did get away with that in sentencing. He got like twelve years for murder, but which is nuts. But you know, you get. I'm trying to think of like uh, examples where people's defenses made their situation worse. Uh, Maybe Max the Lucado, Max Lucado apologizing for teaching biblical. Uh... Yeah, uh, or, no, I'm thinking like crime. Maybe the Ahmad Arbery people, like their defense, actually made their case worse, and they had. Oh like, yeah, because they testified. Yes, because they decided to testify, so their defense actually basically hung themselves. Um, but yeah, and that's what Mike Winger did here is he defended himself that made it worse. And is there more to cover in this video? Um, if you wanted to do the slain in the spirit stuff, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Maybe, uh, you know, take some hot takes, some juicy takes on charismatic. I, I kind of wanted to look at, like, didn't you say that he had a response to the Doctrine and Watchdog video in question here that you, he left a comment on that video, right? Yeah, yeah that also happened. That's the so, last thing I cover. Okay, so uh, you think we have time for... Uh, see the slain in the spirit part. I mean, the slain in the spirit part might be interesting. I think Tim Hurd actually has a good criticism in this in this section. All right, let's see what stuff. Um, I am slightly I'm slightly disposed to think that like shaking and losing control and and pulse like weird spazzy type behavior that that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would be consistent with the work of the spirit. Um. The whole slain, but Mike Winger and Ruslan trashed John MacArthur in the spirit thing, like passing out that kind of what he just explained. I think I admittedly go, that seems a little strange to me, but it doesn't mean that it therefore is something okay. God can't do. Uh, okay, I, I so I, I, 
as a, when we used to have theological discussions go. on this. Oh, you want to pause it? No. no. YouTube it. channel with um, progressive no. Christians. A pretend Back in Christian inception. He keeps playing it from the, from the middle know, of the clip. I'm sorry, Jesus guys. was just a good example, and they use scripture to defend their restart with transition, their but it's crazy not Christian beliefs. Um, they would just quote the verse. I, it's shocking. It's, uh, with, with, with Christ, all things are possible. Go. I, I don't have a good enough reason to just discount everything you've said. So I'm going to trust that. I've, I've, and I've spoken in tongues, not with interpretation, but in a way that was very powerful in my life and mm -hmm. very needful in the moment mm -hmm. with real spiritual blessing and benefit that happened right then at the time. All right. I've, I have to replay the clip because it played halfway through. Um, I am slightly, I'm slightly disposed to think that like shaking and losing control and, and, Pulse like weird spazzy type behavior that that doesn't seem like the kind of thing. Oh. I see what happened. <laughs> I was in such a hurry today. Um, what actually happened? I'll have to summarize it for you. Is that uh, Ruslan up there? He 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 get, told a story about how he went to a church and he um, had somebody come up to him and they were like, "Have you ever spoken in tongues?" And he says, "No, I haven't spoken in tongues." And Ruslan was then like prayed over by that person. And they said, you know, like, he just started speaking in tongues. He said it just started happening. Um, then he said that somebody came behind him and put a pillow behind him. And he thought, I'm not going to, this is ridiculous. This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to fall over. And his body went rigid and he fell over. And he, at that, from that moment, he said it had a new spiritual experience in his life of like holiness and seeking the Lord. It was like really good blessings in his life as a result. I responded by saying um, that I didn't have a theological reason why I couldn't believe his story. This is taken by <clears throat> Tim, because I don't have the whole clip. I guess I didn't, I messed it up. Um, oh, well. This is taken by Tim Hurd and Doctrinal Watchdog to be me affirming that being slain in the spirit's a good thing. And that I think being slain in the spirit's totally okay. Now, as you listen to me explain right after I affirm that with him, I don't have a theological reason I can't believe your story means that it doesn't break my theology to believe that one person had a genuine experience that looks like something like being slain in the spirit or certainly involves tongues, which obviously many people in scripture have that experience. But it doesn't mean that I am okay with the practice in general, which is why I made sure to add in the interview my discussion about why I think this is inconsistent with several things. I have clips down below where I talk about my my whole slain in the spirits teaching. I have video clips down below in the description where you can click on that and see that for years I've been saying, and I still affirm this, that I don't think that this is consistent with the work of the Holy Spirit as I see it in scripture. So the way I parse this out, where I have stories where someone like Ruslan gives a story, and then I have my own understanding of scripture, like the fruit of the spirit is self-control, and the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, these verses that seem to refute the idea that you're going to lose all control and fall over and stuff, or, or speak in tongues and you can't stop. Um, how do I take the stories of individuals and then the scriptures? Well, with the scriptures, I'm going to say, I will say that I think any church that makes a rule or a practice, a general practice of doing things, is an, has an extra-biblical practice that seems inconsistent with scripture. That is, I do not support being slain in the spirit. But an individual who might be in that environment, could God meet them there in the midst of what's a strange practice, but is still sincere people seeking the Lord? Yes, I think that's true. And that's why I can affirm uh, that I'm not going to push back against Ruslan's story. But if Ruslan came to the church, your church, my church, some other church, and starts trying to tell everybody they have to practice the same stuff, which he wouldn't do, I'd be like, hey, stop it. Just because you had some unique experience, maybe God was just being gracious to you and meeting you there. Don't try and 
push that on everybody. And that's if the experience was real. Do I think slain in the spirit's real? I, I, no, I don't generally speaking think it's real. I think it's fake, which is why I share my story. You will hear, um, in a, in a few minutes, actually, where I was slain in the spirit. <laughs> oh my goodness. The, the, the weirdness of it all. Now, so, for the record, I'm not too familiar with what even slain the spirit is. I, I guess it, it's where you like faint and they catch you with the pill. I, the way he explains it and all, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah context clues, I guess, are what I'm going off of, but you know, I understand why someone in an interview isn't going to take a hard stance against, you know, Ruslan Katie saying that he was slain in the spirit this one time. I mean, I, I understand why he, you know, he's on, that was Ruslan's channel, right? I believe so. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guest on someone else's channel. I get why he's not going to like start that debate. If it's an unnecessary debate to start, cause you're kind of saying you might, you know, as a guest, you don't know what he's going to say that. So you're just kind of taking it in. I, I mean, there's plenty that, of other things but, to go off on Ruslan for. So that's like yeah, not yeah. even on my top 10. Yeah. It's not on my top 10. And I understand, you know, even now he doesn't want to take a hard, position on this issue in general like if it's not real then like he obviously believes it can be real but it's not something that can be done imposed yet the ruslan katie story is where they imposed it on him so kind of confusing but again i'm not super critical of this moment i'm just pointing out i'm just pointing out what he said and i think you know uh you know, I don't think he was being all that bad in this particular instance. I don't think this made it all worse. I just think it made it more confusing. Um, that makes sense. What you're seeing me handle with this Ruslan interview is a delicate situation. Uh, theologically, I lean toward it not being something God generally does. But, I, you know, he could meet Ruslan there in individual experience. And I won't think that breaks my theology the way it does for a cessationist. And so they tend to say, like, that Ruslan was, like, it was something deceptive, something manipulative, something always evil, rather than maybe just God meeting him there. They they couldn't hold that view. So it breaks their theology. It's not mine. I'm not I'm not a cessationist. So the comparison of me to progressive Christians who say all things are possible is ridiculous. You guys, I have tons of content on progressive Christians. Um, you anyway, you just just check it out. If you, someone wants to disagree with me on cessationism versus like believing in the ongoing possibility of the gifts of the spirit even that i'm like i'm on the charismatic scale i'm on the the narrow end right not like over here people who think like every church should have people speaking in tongues and prophesying all the time like i'm not in that in that camp but if you want to disagree with me there make a video about that don't make a video pretending that i support slain in the spirit stuff when i don't so my slain in the spirit teaching is um, available in the links below let's go to the next one this is the supposed summary so after playing these clips, Doctrinal Watchdog's video puts text on the screen and offers a summary of my beliefs, um, and and they're you know they're exposing me. The problem with the summary is that it's mostly false. So let's play that clip now. Yeah, I don't know how that happens either, Mike, because I think there's supposed to be interpretations. So to recap, Mike Winger is a charismatic who speaks in tongues, says he believes people's testimonies about being slain in the spirit. He and Ruslan are happy to trash John MacArthur in the same video while defending Bethel Church. That surprised me. Okay, was any of that false at the moment? Like, 
and just being as charitable as possible to say doctrinal watchdog, that is what you just saw in that clip. And then he provided more video evidence that defended Bethel church. I mean, I do address the 10 commandments thing in my article. Yeah. Cause I know, I know that's like a sec, it's kind of a secondary issue now because a lot of, a lot of times when they say they aren't, you aren't Christians aren't bound by the 10 commandments. It's mainly the Sabbath. Uh, and doctrinal watchdog insists that this all started when Mike defended revoice and guess what? Defending revoice will get me to come after you, by the way, like that, that's because that was the reason side B theology is, you know, critical race theory, I think is a dead issue. Side B theology is the next issue or the current issue. So, but I mean, with the 10 commandments, uh, generally they'll, they'll say you're not obliged to uphold the Sabbath commandment. And right. again, John MacArthur would also be a proponent of this idea because that's that's actually where I learned that that was a, even a thing. Uh, Christians aren't under the Sabbath commandment it was through John MacArthur's commentary. He would cite Colossians 2.16 as the proof text. And it's also under his commentary in, I guess, uh, Exodus 20 with the commandments themselves. OK, so that is a I, I'm not I might pick a bone with you, uh, Doctrinal Watchdog, on that one, because that is. I mean, that is more broadly held than, but I don't necessarily think they'll literally say you're not obligated to observe a day of rest. I don't know if anyone's going after that. I've got more, but I hope that you will comment below on uh, what we've covered so far. Here's. I mean, Michael Brown is a pretty interesting character, just to bring that up, because uh, Michael Brown, it, you know, he's Christian Post, by the way. Like, that's. I mean, I think he has a radio show, but, you know, he's probably more prominent on Christian Post, if I just had to say. He's written an article on uh, Town Hall. I think he has one on Daily Wire. I mean, he has one of the worst commentaries on the Ukraine war that I've read. And he's pro uh, jab. Yeah, he so compared that, uh, certain so I, information to fat shaming. Did that? Oh, really? Of, he did that in March of 22. So never forget. <laughs> um yeah, I mean Michael Brown, I think is bad news. I do, I I understand why people try to engage with him, but he's not. First of all, I don't think he's a good cultural commentator. I just don't. No, he's he's starting. I think to, he's actually horrendous at times. He's starting to go anti MAGA. Uh, and then second, like he's a Bethel defender. Right? So he he promotes and shields bad theology. So, yeah, I'm not a Michael Brown fan. Uh, and the uh, Revoice thing, I guess there's a comment on one of his videos. And is that linked in the article that you wrote? Uh, in the picture or the screenshot. Okay. Well, let me pull up the article that you wrote. And that's yeah, the last article that was written here. Okay, let me stop sharing. Now we're going to share a new screen. And this is from the article that is linked in the description below. And is that super readable? That's going to have to be good enough. Uh, I can't even read that. Uh, the link to the 
video with the comment should be there and it's pinned to the top. Yeah, let me pull that up real quick. Pin to the top as in right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is in response to Mike Winger is impressed by Preston Sprinkle, Revoice leader, who says we should use trans pronouns. And I think Preston Sprinkle is just obvious bad news. Okay, you can yeah, see, and he does in the he does in his defense video say that he's not too familiar with Preston Sprinkle at all. Which I mean, I guess that's there's some, and again, he I guess that's a valid he, claim. I'll, I will allow for that. Different theological camp, and I guess if Preston Sprinkle's talking to Sean McDowell, it's easy for him to sound orthodox. So it's just, it's kind of like oh, you know, you're it's kind of like a team that's playing against the Oakland Raiders. Of course, Kyler Murray's going to look good. Uh, right. Uh, and he just says in this comment on the uh, doctrinal watchdog video for clarity, I commented on a video discussion that Preston and Sean had. Sean McDowell is also pro revoice, pro side B theology. I kind of wanted to do a video on that, but totally just, you know, put it off and then forgot. Uh, I thought I, it was a good discussion. That doesn't mean I agree with everything he said. That doesn't mean I endorse him. What a very misleading thing to put in your video. Uh, if you thought it was a good discussion, that isn't in and of itself an endorsement. Like, come on. You're not Donald Trump saying I endorse Eric before the primary when there's three Eric's on the ballot. Uh, come on. Um, that doesn't mean I agree with whatever clip you pulled out of the video, nor is it okay for you to pull a clip from an unrelated video I've never seen where Preston supports using false pronouns and imply I agree with that. And I think that's, I think that that provided more context to who Preston Sprinkle was. That was my reading of that. But uh, I understand why he felt that way. I definitely understand why he felt that way. You're spreading misinformation about me. Uh, I have a four part series on homosexuality where I deal with it a lot in a lot of detail and defend the biblical view thoroughly. On a side note, I think the clip you took from Preston and Sean's talk was taken out of context as well. If I recall right, he was trying to explain the difference between being tempted with homosexual desires versus living a lifestyle. That's an important distinction. I remember it. If I'm remembering right, then you've created a terribly misleading video. It also sounds like he doesn't understand. And, and by he, I mean, Mike Winger doesn't understand the distinction between temptation and desire. Which I do highlight in the article. Um, that tempted with uh, homosexual desires is not, I mean, you're either tempted or you have the desires. So he kind of conflates. Tempted with homosexual desires is if we see the twink on the side of the road, posturing himself for you, that's being tempted. You being innate, or I don't want to say innately, you being inwardly attracted to male butthole. That is not a temptation. That is actually a, that is of the flesh, so to speak. That is. No, he might make a distinction in his because I think he has like four hours of content on on that. I don't know subject. why you need four hours to talk about the subject. I think the Bible's pretty clear. Oh, but I mean, if you go through every verse that condemns sexual immorality and homosexuality, it might take you four hours. It might because there are a lot of verses, uh, which you know people don't want to acknowledge. But I mean. 
maybe he makes that distinction in that content. But in this uh, and then this is where he content. drops the ball here. You might want to consider reading the Reboy statement on beliefs and sexual et- ethics and Christian obedience. It seems you don't do your research. And I've read their statements. They affirm using false pronouns. They they affirm identifying as a homosexual. They affirm that. Yeah, they, they basically aff- say it's a, se- a secondary issue. That is in their statement. And I, you know, I covered this when I did the video on uh, Scott Sauls, who, by the way, I, I, I interacted with him on Twitter recently. And I don't know what SP dot means. If someone responds like that, like, I don't know what that means, but. I basically responded. He, he basically said Jesus wasn't a liberal or a conservative. So therefore you shouldn't be a liberal or a conservative. I'm like, Jesus was not crucified for straddling the fence. And I, I sent him a picture of like the medieval art artwork where the guy's getting his what, uh, the triangle, the wedge. No, the guy is on, is like crucified on an X or whatever. And they're like sawing him in half. And that I sent him that picture, you know, for fence straddling, but that's not why. Uh, I that's not why um, he was crucified. Jesus was, but if you're defending revoice, you're not strong on the issue of homosexuality. Point blank, end of sentence. You might not be as liberal as Preston Sprinkle or Sean McDowell or uh, Matthew Vines. The other thing is revoice isn't exactly a new subject because I think it was like 2018, 2019. So, I mean, it's been yeah, around for a couple of years. Believe, but... um, and sure, let's say, you know, let's say he misinterprets that. But, I mean, we've done certainly plenty of done work on exposing exactly what goes on at revoice, which goes well beyond what they state on their beliefs page. Because they pretty much say that homosexuals are glorified. They have a unique spiritual walk that is. I mean, do you believe in mixed orientation? Do you believe that a mixed orientation is a real biblical concept? Mixed orientation marriage. Yeah, I I don't. Uh, So if you think. If you are defending Revoice, you're weak on this issue. It's like defending Resolution 9 in the Southern Baptist convention. If you defend resolution nine, you are weak on the issue of Marxism and cultural Marxism, which, you know, again, Al Mohler is trying to rebrand himself as conservative, but there would never have been a resolution nine without Al Mohler. So I think that's largely what we wanted to cover today as it relates to Mike Winger. Uh, I guess we have concluding thoughts. Like I don't have any reason after seeing all this to deny the faith of Mike Winger. There's really no reason to, question that i mean i I, that's i guess my conclusion was like you know the three problems i might have with him is ecumenicalism his definition of secondary issues and then his just you know he's kind of a squish i mean i mean keep in mind he's he's he has associated with like sean mcdowell michael brown uh ruslan and again ruslan is pretty much pro-abortion or does like the third way argument on abortion which to me is pro-abortion if you're in the church but at the same time, he'll condemn uh, Kenneth Copeland as a false teacher, but not like a Joel Osteen. So he has a wide range of what he com- considers under the banner of faith. And it's unclear where his line is. So the three names I kind of drop, or the two names I drop are, uh, would he consider Andrew Clavin or Adam Kis- Kinzinger as Christians? 
because you know one of them's pro well they're both pro homosexual but like one of them's pretty liberal on the social issues and then andrew clavin is like off the wall um, so that's ecumenicalism of course secondary issues because i mean he pretty much takes uh like side b theology i think you know he might be leaning towards that's a secondary issue because that keeps the tent you know, so you're down. saying he expands the definition of secondary issue to include things that are really proxies for primary issues. I mean, I would say that, but yeah, I mean, it's unclear what, what counts as a secondary issue because it's not just, okay, Calvinism versus Arminianism or cessation versus continuation. Um, now, I, I would believe that those are secondary issues, but things like women preachers, is that a secondary issue? I mean, one thing I kind of put is... I mean, like, you got to rip pages out of the Bible to justify that practice. I mean, one thing I kind of say is that, like, when a charismatic refuses to kind of condemn, like, the whack jobs in their own camp, it kind of lends ammunition to the cessationist camp. So, I mean, if you're trying to build a unity mo movement between various camps, I mean, you got to be willing to condemn the, the freaks on your side. And, you know, a lot of the people in the cessationist camp would condemn the Bethel camp. And he kind of defends the Bethel camp and wants to kind of keep the cessationists. And... Yeah. And again, these people have added to the gospel and he even says that. I don't get how he comes to the conclusion that adding to the gospel is a secondary issue. And then the third, I kind of just do uh, like kind of a squish. Um and again, he doesn't have to engage in discernment if that's just not his calling. I mean, there's no, you know, he, he does great apologetics work. And that, and that's, I mean, that's why I call him out on the Deuteronomy 30 thing, because, you know, Bible prescribes a death sentence for false prophecy if you're a false prophet, which means that, you know, you should, if you ever contend that anything you say is prophetic, that's, you. I mean, I mean, clearly Bethel was irreverent with the word. I mean, so the Catholic Church got it right when it came to Joan of Arc the first time, <laughs> is what you're saying. But, uh, but I mean, it, you can't just warn about false teachers. You have to, oh, you can't just warn about false teachings. You have to warn about false teachers. Yeah, exactly. You can't separate the two. And I think that's the danger that Mike Winger is really uh, proliferating here is a separation of false teacher and false doctrine. You can't separate the two because one does not exist without the other. And, uh, you know, ideology doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in a vessel, and that vessel is the person who proclaims it. And I, one thing I do put in the article is like, okay, if you're looking at his soteriology, I mean, these are people's souls that are at stake. Like, you, you know, you're allowing them to kind of you're not warning them against a false teacher you are putting their souls at stake that would be under his soteriology under a reformed you know calvinist i mean it's the duty of the church to defend or of certain people or the church in general to defend against the wolves so i mean depending regardless of your soteriological approach like you have to warn about false teachers that arise in the church and again, it's in the Bible. Um, half the epistles pretty much reference it, reference false teaching in some way, shape, or form, or some illicit practice that's going on in the church. Yeah, I, and that's a theme in the Old Testament. So when people try to deny that discernment's a gift of the Spirit, 
you know, they're kind of, again, tearing out a lot of pages of this Bible uh, when they do that. But really, they just don't want you to say mean things about the person that they like. And I think that's the danger that Mike Winger is clearly flirting with, is that he wants to be nice. He doesn't want to call anyone a false teacher. And but he will call out false doctrine at times. And I say at times, but he's not willing to draw a lot. He's not willing to take what he believes to its logical conclusion. And I believe that he believes the logical conclusion. I just don't believe he's willing to go to the logical conclusion, if that makes sense. So yeah. while we're wrapping up, don't forget to send in last call for chat. If you have any questions uh, about the stream or anything that we've covered uh, tonight or just random questions in general, just someone please in the chat, just ask whether we're brothers or not. Cause we, you know, we've never gotten that question in the chat before, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, otherwise uh, also let me know in the chat, whether you like email newsletters or you prefer something like telegram. I I'm kind of curious about uh what the perspective of a YouTube audience is for that, because I'm interested in knowing what, what works better. I have both. I just want to know which one I should push more. Yeah. A newsletter or telegram. So just let me know in the chat, which one you, uh, uh, prefer. And, uh, cat chat says, I don't need to ask if your brothers, it should be obvious. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, people persist. Um, um, uh, just, uh, thanks for the feedback. His servant S, uh, nice seeing you again in the chat, uh, Brian babes also nice, uh, say hello to you as well. Um, and just, you know, again, some things to look forward to, uh, Louis Giglio article coming out the, on Sunday. And then one of the big stories that we covered, maybe I'll do a, a live stream is that, the Southern Baptist convention is like disassociating and disfellowshipping non-Southern Baptist churches. I think this is a very interesting phenomenon. So that was an article that I did and they disassociated a church for being racist and not responding to the accusation. So I think that's a pretty interesting story. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential for conspiracy because of the obvious questions and discrepancies in the Southern Baptist Convention's narrative that arise. So that's an interesting story that I wrote about. And I finally got a lot of Twitter love from the conservatives on Southern Baptist world uh, for doing legwork that after you disavowed them, not, not, no, not the CBN, not the CBN, but uh, a lot of that crowd, you know, it's the CBN that I disavow. It's the organization because they're just trying to build up a new big Eva for themselves. And Al Mueller is going to take it over because they're just offering it to him. But, you know, that, that that's an interesting story. Maybe I'll do a live stream on that next week. But otherwise, uh, have a blessed day. And there's a live stream that I did with one of the writers of the Frankfurt Declaration. So you should catch that. I did that yesterday. I know it was at 4 o'clock, so it wasn't like prime time 99. But... Yeah, that's a good live stream, and you should check that out as well because that was a sequel to one of our Thursday night live streams, the previous one. So, and I'm seeing Telegram is the preferred, so I'm gonna 
do that. Christian Mario in the chat as well. Uh, you know, better late than never, right? Uh, now you've been here a while, I think. But otherwise, have a blessed day, and we will catch you on the next one.